You're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exposition of scriptures. I'm your host and podcast preacher, Brandon Harrell. I'm the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church in East Flat Rock, nestled here in the mountains of Western North Carolina, where I've served for the past 10 years. I pray the podcast will bless your life as we study God's Word together. All right, it's time again for Standing in the Gap. This is Pastor Brandon. Of course, studying the little epistle of Jude, we're on the 25th verse now, coming down the back stretch of this epistle. And this is our 56th week altogether uh, in this little epistle. And it's been a great journey and uh, just excited about what the Lord has done in my own heart and preparing me and uh, working in my heart through this epistle. Of course, this deals with the apostasy of the last days. And uh, amazing how that just before we have the book of the Revelation, we have this epistle of Jude that reminds us how things will be just before the Lord returns. We find uh, in verses 1 to 4, we have that admonition that calls us to the fight. And as Christians, we are to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, that body of doctrine that we believe that we hold to be true, those things that are uncontroversial among true Christians concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done on behalf of sinners. And then we looked at some attributes that characterize the foe. We saw several things throughout verses 5 to 19 concerning who the apostate is, how they Uh, corrupt the word of God, some illustrations of them. And then in verse 19, he closed that section with the thought uh, that these be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. And we found out that the apostates are those who truly have never been saved. They have professed faith, but then they have walked away from that profession because it was not real. They have not the spirit, therefore they are none of his. And now in verses 20 and following, we've been looking at the actions that cultivate faithfulness. We saw in verses 20 and 21 the edification of the saints that's necessary to cultivate faithfulness, how we're to build up ourselves on our most holy faith and pray in the Holy Ghost, keeping ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then the next action that cultivates faithfulness we saw was the evangelization of the straying. He said in verse 22, And if some have compassion, making a difference, others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We're to endeavor to reach sinners in these days. That'll cultivate faithfulness in us. And it'll also cultivate faith as the Lord works in hearts and saves sinners uh, in those who had professed but were drifting and those who have not known the Lord. But then in verses 24 and 25, the last action that cultivates faithfulness in the days of apostasy is that of the exaltation of the Savior. He says in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. We noted first in verse 24 the ability of our Savior. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory 
uh, with exceeding joy. What a blessing to know that he is keeping us by his power, that he is preserving his people, and we will persevere to the end as those who truly believe in him. He is able to keep you from falling, and one day he'll present us faultless in the presence of his glory. But now we're looking at the attributes, the characteristics that are given of the Lord here. And in verse 25, we've seen, first of all, that he is the only wise God. Much to be said. We've said it already. He is the only God. He is wise. We see his wisdom on display, and he is God. And then we considered what it means for him to be our Savior, the only wise God, our Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. We looked at what it is for him to save. He saves sinners, not from poverty, not from sickness. Uh, He does not come to set up a political regime, but rather he came to save sinners from their sins. And he will do that. He has done that previously as there's a past tense of salvation in Uh, justification at Calvary, and then sanctification as we walk in this earth, and then one day glorification as we're finally saved from the presence of sin. But then last week we began the broadcast with an emphasis on the little phrase, now unto him, and then again in verse 25, too. And uh, we noted that uh, we're being told here to acknowledge these attributes as true of God and to ascribe them to him. By doing so, we will cultivate faithfulness in the last days. We moved in this list of attributes, and we looked at the word glory. We saw the doxa there and uh, what it entails for Christ to be glorious. He is a glorious Savior. Uh, But today, we'll pick up there and consider the next attributes on Jude's list and get as far as we can. All of the remaining attributes have to do with the sovereignty of God. Now, if you'll recall, in verse 4 of Jude's epistle, he said this. He said, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and here's what I want us to see, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he has told us already Uh, that in the days of apostasy, one of the things that will be attacked severely is the sovereignty of God. Now, we looked at that phrase, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw that little word denying. Sometimes it means to abnegate, to speak against, or to reject. Other times it could just simply mean to fail to speak of altogether. And so in denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, they either fail to speak of his sovereignty or they absolutely deny that God is sovereign. And then we looked at the words there for Lord. The first word translated Lord in verse 4 was despotes, has to do with an absolute sovereign, uh, sovereign, one who has absolute control over his creation. And then the word before Christ there, before the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord there is kurios, It means one who is the master, one who is the possessor or the owner. And so we found early on in this epistle that the apostate age is one that speaks strongly against or refuses to acknowledge the sovereignty of God. So it's no strange thing for us to come now to the end of Jude and find here in verse 25 that he's telling us that we are to acknowledge and to attribute to God the fact that he is sovereign. 
He does this with three words. You'll notice them here in verse 25. He says, To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, now, uh, both now and ever. Amen. So majesty, dominion, and power. And as we study these words, we'll find that each of them carry a connotation concerning the sovereignty of Christ. The first word there translated majesty. It's the word megalosune in the Greek. It means literally greatness. In Scripture, it usually refers to God in his, defini- in his divinity. It denotes one's transcendence. It's that that sets him apart from his creation and from those who are under his rule. God is majestic. Now, I know often we think of the word majesty and we think of kings and queens and monarchs that have ruled in various realms in the earth, and we know that they're called your majesty or your highness. And those are terms of honor that are placed upon those who are in rulership, and rightly so to an extent. But really the word majesty, is it carries us to a higher plane. It takes us to a higher level, and it has to do with the divinity of God. The online etymological dictionary defines it this way. It says this word means greatness or grandeur of exalted rank or character, imposing loftiness, stateliness, or qualities appropriate to rulership. It goes on to say that it comes from a French word that refers to nobility. And then the Webster's 1828 Dictionary gives this definition of majesty. I like this one. It says, greatness of appearance, dignity, grandeur, dignity of aspect or manner, the quality or state of a person or thing which inspires awe or reverence in the beholder, applied with peculiar propriety to God and his works. I love the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. It is so good and rich with even theological definitions of words. But here it points to the grandeur and dignity of Christ, of God. But now this one's the one that'll blow your mind. In dictionary.com, that's just a website to go on and look up definitions. This is one of the definitions that they give of the word majesty. Quote, Christ in majesty a representation of Christ as ruler of the universe. That is in a secular dictionary that's found online and commonly used of the word majesty. Isn't that amazing? Now, you know the people at dictionary.com probably have no regard for Christ as a sovereign ruler. But as sovereign ruler of the universe, when it came to this word majesty, to which we're uh, to ascribe to God, that, that attribute that we're to uh, acknowledge about him, he saw to it that even in a secular dictionary, in a secular age, that that definition would be given uh, recognition of him as a sovereign ruler. In Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17, Uh, Speaking of Christ, Paul says, "...who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers." All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. Now listen to this. And by him all things 
conceist. The little word consist in that text in Colossians, it literally means to hold together. I want you to understand this about the majesty of our Savior. He has made all things. It is to him and through him and for him that they are all made. All things were created by him and for him, it said. He is before all things. That tells us of his time. That tells us that he was here before all the things that he made were made. But it also tells us that he is preeminent above all of those things. But this little word consist tells us that he holds it all together. He's got it all intact. Everything is going, listen to me, everything is going according to plan today. Because our Savior has it under control. I am so glad today that I can lay my head on my pillow at night and know that no matter what chaos has taken place in this earth, no matter what's going on in this world, there is a sovereign Christ who sits at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, who is holding it all together. He's working it all out. He's orchestrating it all. He is involved in the most minute details that are taking place on this planet, and in his majesty, he has it all under control. He is sovereign today. I am so glad that that is the case. By him, all things consist. I want to just give a little side note. Peter, I believe it is, mentions that one day, the earth will melt with a fervent heat. The little word melt in that text it means to be let loose, to be released. All it boils down to is one of these days the Lord Jesus is going to take his hands off this planet and it's going to fall apart. It's going to, it's going to come under his wrath. And all these people run around trying to save the planet. You'll never save this planet. This one's, this one's cursed. This one's going away. And he's creating a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, I'm glad to know he is on the throne and he is sovereign. Till next time. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, you can find our church's website at www.BethesdaBaptistEastFlatRock.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at PreacherB underscore BBC. If you'd like to watch our services live streamed, you can do that on Facebook at Bethesda Baptist East Flat Rock. God bless you till we meet again.